Hey, everyone. I'm Jen Garrett, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hi, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also leave us a review. Now, today we're part of my special Women in Leadership series, and I have a very special guest today, Tiffany Green. Tiffany is a play-by-play commentator for ESPN, covering a variety of college sports, including basketball, football, softball, and volleyball. And Tiffany is the first African-American woman to serve as a play-by-play commentator for college football on ESPN. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you with us today. And share with us, how did you get into sports? Where did you uh, develop this love of sports? Uh, I think it was just something I was born with, quite honestly. When I was five years old, my grandparents gave me uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers football uniform, like suited and booted from head to toe, uh, cleats, helmet, <laughs> football and everything. And I think my uh, family just knew that I always had an inkling for sports. I loved it, thought I was going to be the first woman in the NFL or the NBA. And uh, of course, that didn't necessarily pan out, but it's just something that I've always just been attracted to to sports because I love just the team element, right? Um, that aspect of teamwork, you know, dedication, moving in one direction towards a common goal. Uh, all those things to me were just really appealing. Plus, there was a competitive side. So um, sports really spoke to me. And once I saw that my career was not going to extend beyond probably high school (laughs) on the basketball court. I uh, got a bowling scholarship actually to college. And um, I said, okay, well, you know what? I can always talk about it. So I majored in broadcast journalism. And it's something that I always said that I wanted to do since I was that five years old. I got that uniform, but I also said I wanted to be a sportscaster. And uh, I just had one dream, but that one egg and that one basket went with it with reckless abandon. Oh, that's awesome. And so I was, uh, I was a young sports fan myself at four. I started watching Chicago Bears. Okay, okay. And yeah. You and I both know Mr. Tyrone Keyes, who played on mm-hmm. the Super Bowl uh, 20 team yes. with the Chicago Bears back in the 80s. And I fell in love with the game. And you're so right that that camaraderie, that pulling together people from all walks of life, coming together for a common goal and that competitiveness and, and sports. Many sports have a fast paced nature about it, which is what hooked me too. But it was really about the other things that you mentioned. And also, it was about how teams could come back from a large deficit in the fourth quarter and still pull off a win. Right. (laughs) As we did also see, this is the first week of NFL football. And I know there's a lot of people that are excited that uh, professional football is back. Being a Chicago Bears fan, uh, the Bears actually did end up pulling out a a fourth quarter comeback. They were down um, 23 to six, I believe, and ended up scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter. 
for the win. And there was games like that when I was a kid that really hooked me on the game. Now they got lucky at the end. They could have lost, but uh, right. it, was neat to see. <laughs> it was, it was neat to see that they, they were able to hold on um, mostly by luck, but, but it was good to see. So, talk to w, us, so it doesn't matter, they right? <laughs> they did. Yes, we will take it. So talk to us about, you went to Florida A&M university, mm-hmm. majored in journalism. Mm-hmm. Talk to you. Where did your journey go from there? Well, I was involved in any and everything that I could be involved in while I was in school, right? So the school newspaper, the radio station, the TV station, I worked with the sports information department. And of course, I had internships during the summer. So I feel like, you know, those types of experiences helped to prepare me for, you know, what was ahead. And when I got out of school, and I graduated, I thought, okay, certainly I'm going to get an on-air job somewhere. And that was not the case. In fact, I was um, a part-time production assistant at a startup station in my hometown of Tampa. At the same time, I was selling cars, which had always been something I wanted to do because I love cars. So I was selling, you know, Dodge products, Hemi's, trucks, and I was going (laughs) to work as a floor director and an audio operator. And so I think that time actually only helped me, right? Because it showed that that drive and that enterprising spirit that you have to have and that self-motivation as an athlete uh, carried over into the professional realm. So I was, yes, a part-time production assistant, but I volunteered to shoot high school football on Friday nights and, you know, edit it and write a shot sheet for the sports anchors or going out for stories on Saturdays and writing a package for the, the anchors So they got a story out of it, and I got a story out of it as well. Um, From there, I was in Savannah, Georgia for three and a half years as a general assignment reporter, a one-man band. So I did it all, shoot, write, edit. And then I was blessed with the opportunity to move on to Orlando with um, Central Florida News 13. And then later, they started a 24-hour sports network called Bright House Sports Network. And uh, that's really where I got to hone my skills and do a little bit of everything. So I had been used to reporting and some fill-in anchoring, but I also got a chance to do sideline reporting and play-by-play and all those types of things. And so when I got that opportunity, to me, that's where I think my career shifted in such a way where it kind of catapulted me to um, just greater opportunities. So there was the Disney Wide World of Sports and I got a chance to build a relationship greater with ESPN and uh, meeting folks uh, at other networks, the National Association of Black Journalists, all of those kind of culminated in such a way where Fox Sports One was starting up and an executive saw my work at a convention. I got to be the inaugural broadcaster for women's basketball uh, for the Big East basketball package. It just kind of continued to expand from there. And then ESPN came calling officially, uh, or full-time at least, in 2015. And um, I got a chance to show off my skills and things that I had been learning in Orlando and just throughout my career uh, and put it on full display for the worldwide leader. 
Well, I think that's a great story. And I love how you shared with us that you basically, when you were starting out in your career, you were doing whatever you had to do, right? To, to differentiate mm-hmm. yourself, to get noticed. And that's what people that are successful do. They don't just say, okay, well, let me take it. What comes at me? And I'm just going to try to get through this. Then they look at, okay, well, what do I need to do to level up, so to speak? And get the experiences I need, get people knowing who I am, being a contributor in other ways so that way I can help elevate my career to where I want to go. And especially in the journalism world, it's so competitive. I've never been a journalist myself, but I know a lot of people in that space. It's so competitive. And especially as a woman in sports, it's a very tough industry to to excel in. Absolutely. Uh, I, I definitely agree because, you know, Oftentimes, and, and these are some of the questions that, you know, students ask me, that's one of the things that, you know, you experience as a woman, whether it's someone questioning, you know, what you're wearing and <laughs> whether it's appropriate or not, or your sports knowledge, which is always tested in some subtle or actually, you know, more aggressive and open way. Um, those are things that you don't have to come across if you are a man in sports. Like you could have not played the sport, anything beyond, you know, middle school or high school. And yet it's already assumed that if you're a man, you know, football or, you know, a particular sport. And, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I can sit there and I, I study and watch film. I listen to coaches and, and just like you do, just like you, my male counterpart would do. Um, so I, I think those are just some of the challenges or just, again, going back to the appearance piece of it, uh, a lot of people put a lot of stock in it and yes, it is a subjective business and yes, you want to look your best, but, uh, I don't feel like men get critiqued the same way that women do. Uh, so you, you know, you have to have everything <laughs> on point, your hair on point, your makeup on point, your clothes on point, but you got to make sure your clothes aren't too this or too that. I mean, there's always just an extra layer to consider. Absolutely. And I agree with you about the, the domain expertise or sports knowledge. Many men are just assumed to, well, they're, they're a guy. They've got to know football or baseball or whatever sport it is. Whereas, you know, you know that I published a book called Move the Ball. The listeners know that I have mm-hmm. this book. And uh, back when, when the book was first released, I was trying to make my name known and share it with different professional athletes. And they would look mm-hmm. at you like, okay, you wrote a book. That's, that's great. Good for you. They weren't rude, but they just dis- very dismissed. Mm -hmm. or like okay whatever fan that thinks she knows something about football and I've been grilled I don't know how many times by people on okay let's test how much you know about football and and you know I can hang with the rest of them just as you can but we have to prove ourselves Mm -hmm. in that space because we are women instead of being afforded that same general knowledge like oh yeah she must know okay she works in the industry it's just not that way it's so different yeah, absolutely. Uh, you so, nail on the head. <laughs> yes. So, so talk to us about, tell us about a time where you had maybe not so much a pleasant experience as you were looking for a job or trying to advance your career or create an opportunity. And how did you overcome that? Well, I go back to a time where, again, uh, and I, I think there are a lot of factors that probably uh, contributed to this, but it was in my time in Orlando and I felt like I was really working hard and doing the good work that was being asked of me and that I demanded of myself. So I had covered the Florida Gators for the entire year and I would drive to Gainesville from Orlando by myself and I would shoot the entire game 
by myself, which I'm not trying to get any kudos, but that was back when we had cameras that were about 20 to 30 pounds that were on your shoulder. And so it was a great workout uh, at the very least. And then you, you know, you get the sound, you turn the package, uh, you, you feed it in and then you drive back. And so, you know, there were many occasions where there were night games and um, obviously driving on the road three and four o'clock in the morning by yourself as a woman probably wasn't the smartest, but I was willing to do whatever it took to get the story done and to prove myself that, hey, I'm capable of doing this. And it was shortly after it was announced that the Gators, that was their last championship season, that they were going uh, to the SEC championship that my boss told me, uh, yeah, you know what, we're going to actually give this opportunity to your male counterpart. I thought to myself, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> he gets to travel to Atlanta. <laughs> he gets to cover the Gators. <laughs> and he gets to do it having not done what I did all season, like put in the sweat equity, the work. I remember being passed over and being incredibly offended. Like I was upset because I felt like I had worked my butt off to get my, you know, put myself in position to get that opportunity to cover them and to follow it through. You know, you, you, you spend time with a team and you get to know them. So yes, you, you want to see something through. So I made it be known in a professional way that I did not agree with it. And I felt like I was being discriminated against because I was a woman in this space. But what I did was I ended up just working twice as hard and I made sure to remind them or prove them through my work that I was the best person to tell that story. I was the best person to cover that team. And I just used it as fuel. Because I knew that, you know, throughout life, you're going to always come across people who, you know, pass you over for opportunities, don't feel like you're good enough, or, you know, just have somebody else in mind. And it's how you respond to those challenges that's most important. And so instead of holding my head down or holding even anything against my boss or my male counterpart who got the opportunity, I was just like, it's okay. I'm just going to continue to work, improve, keep my head down, and show you that. I'm deserving of everything because I'm working to earn it. So not everybody takes that approach. And obviously you kind of, you know, take the 24 hour approach that many athletes do. You sulk about it. You're bad. You're pissed off about it. <laughs> and then you try to take that energy and put it in the most positive direction that you can. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one thing that separates those who are great leaders, great players, great athletes in life from others is we all have circumstances that don't go our way at some point in time, sometimes many times in our lives. And it's what you choose to do as a result of that. Like you said, you can choose to just be pissed off and remain in that state instead of the 24 hour approach, right? Make that an excuse and, and hate the world. Or you can say, okay, I'm not happy. I'm going to process through these emotions and then I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to work hard every day to show right. you why I am the best. Right. So I think that's great. Now, has there been someone, I think, coming from the corporate world, there's something I talk a lot about to, to people when I advise them on accelerating their career or advancing their career is it's important to have mentors and it's also mm -hmm. important to have sponsors. Sponsors mm -hmm. being those people that are willing to champion on your behalf and advocate and help you. So did you have some mentors and sponsors as you uh, have been advancing your career? Uh, absolutely. And, and I think it starts with gosh, the first contact that I made with ESPN when I was a junior in college and I'd gone to a job fair 
And a gentleman by the name of Fred Brown, who just recently passed with ESPN, was the production coordinator. And uh, he made it very clear, if you want to go on air, don't choose my route. I'm the production coordinator, so I'm going to keep you behind the scenes, okay? If you want to be on air, go for on air. And I so appreciated him telling me that at the beginning, right? As opposed to, let me just kind of work my way in and see where it goes from there. Um, And so we maintained a a relationship all the way up till his passing. And he was just um, a, a fantastic guy. And we didn't talk maybe frequently, but he always was a, a great guiding force. There are others, Stan Verrett, David Aldridge, Tina Thornton, Stas Hall. There are many within ESPN. Roy Hamilton outside of ESPN just always helped to create opportunities, provide a clear path forward, um, just giving me a chance to prove what I can do. You know, Robin Roberts is somebody who I feel is like the queen bee, right? She is the one who I've often aspired to be like. And I had a chance to meet her and uh, ask her for her advice. And we kept in touch and sent video and we would, we would just go back and forth. So I w- I'm appreciative for all of the nudges and pushes. And then my father, who is, um, you know, about 40 years of experience in the business, both on television and on radio. Uh, he's now retired, but he too has always been a fantastic voice, champion, cheerleader, critic in my ear that has helped me tremendously and, and, and really my first true you know, mentor. Oh, that's awesome. And I think it's so important. I think our parents play a really uh, influential role in our careers, especially if they've been in the industry that uh, we're looking to, to get into outside of just, you know, teaching us good character and values and being good people. Um, and I would encourage those listening, think about who do you have in your life if you don't have any mentors. Now, uh, think about getting some mentors and sponsors because they're very important in being able to guide you and give you great advice as you were given uh, early in your career as well to stay uh, focused on air versus, uh, you know, production work behind the scenes, so to speak. Uh, so think about who you can have in your life that could be a mentor and, and also a sponsor, someone that can help champion you and advocate for your career progression and your growth. So I want to ask you, so you, you have a young son and you're also expecting your second child here. Grayson. How do you balance being a mom, being a commentator and all the demands the sports industry plays on you or puts on you, I should say? Yeah, I think I am truly blessed to have an amazing village, a support system who allows me to really thrive and be the best that I can be with a son and another one on the way. So thanks to my parents and my in-laws and my incredibly supportive husband, they're the ones who are patient to deal with me being on the road, willing to pick up flat when I'm not there, uh, forgiving and showing me grace um, in the process where I am (laughs) dropping the ball in certain instances because you can't be perfect. And you try to give your best wherever you are for however long that is. So when I'm home, I I focus the best I can on being the best mother and wife that I can be. When I'm on the road, I focus on being the best broadcaster that I can be. And if I could, you know, have them bleed over a little bit um, while I'm studying or I'm just checking in at home, 
then um, yes, they bleed over, but it's, it's being where your feet are. You've probably heard that a million times over again. I'm probably using a lot of coach or players speak, but that's so important because um, if not, then, well, for me at least, I drive myself crazy just trying to do everything and be everywhere. Uh, and then I also lean on my faith, right? Um, mm-hmm. That has been uh, a critical part for me as well because I don't have all the answers and I don't know everything. And sometimes I get incredibly overwhelmed. And while there was a period where I felt like I was like superwoman after having my first child, I can do anything. Then all of the weight of responsibility and all of just the different personalities and needs kind of come sinking down on you. At least it did for me. And I was just like, okay, wait a minute. I can't do this alone. (laughs) I can't walk this journey uh, by myself. And while I have amazing people around me, um, I I need to, you know, call upon for me, it's, you know, Jesus Christ, but I need this extra layer of help that, that I just can't physically, mentally, or whatever emotionally do or have the bandwidth to do myself. Yes, and I think it's important that uh, we lean on our faith. I'm a Christian too, so but whatever your faith is, you know, you live by faith, trust in the process. You mentioned covering the Florida Gators in your career. So I had Chris Leak on uh, my show. He was my very first guest on this podcast, and that's something that he and I talk about nice. often is living through faith and trust in the process. You know, no matter what you're going through in the day-to-day, just trust the process and things will work out. You just have to have that faith. Absolutely. So, so what I want to do now is I want to transition to my lightning round where I'm going to ask you seven questions. Are you ready? Sure. Let's, let's do it. All right. What do you do to take a time out and decompress? <laughs> I try to go for a walk or a ride in my car if, if I can um, because that calms me down. Or quite honestly, I just probably <laughs> call a friend. <laughs> and vent a little bit or just kind of talk pie in the sky kind of stuff you know that kind of conversation where it's just allowing me to kind of escape a little bit uh, because I'm very much a a people person I'm connected and I enjoy that so I I draw energy from that as an extrovert Um, so I oftentimes really enjoy you know bending the ear of my friends or quite honestly my mom (laughs) who hears a lot Um, just to kind of talk and sift through and that helps me for whatever reason. Gotcha. And who has been an influential woman in your life? Well, well yeah. I mean, I'll go back to my mother who showed me that I could have it all and do it all. I mean, she was a career woman. She was one of only, you know, in her space. Um, she had two children. She has a successful marriage. I think she always encourages me not to be superwoman, right? Because there's just so much that comes with it and there's that added weight and pressure that you just don't need to carry but she is my superwoman in real life form and i'm blessed that she's still here that i can talk to her and she just sheds (laughs) she just drops so many jewels and sheds so much light and, and and wisdom um on me i just i believe that i can be all that i can because of her and really you know both my parents and still um this confidence in me, but she just exceeds all expectations and more. And she has, you know, I think each generation before us is stronger than we are. So what I think I'm dealing with, 
she's just like, huh, nothing. Yes. <laughs> in yes. Comparison to, and, and the same would go for my, you know, my grandmother's same thing. And so she just has the strength about her. And it's a quiet strength that I so, so respect and one day hope to grow to have. Oh, that's awesome. She sounds like an amazing woman. She is. She's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Great. And so my next question is, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given by a coach or a mentor? Uh, well, I'll go back because I kind of mentioned my dad as one. He always told me, no matter what I did, it's never enough. That's what he would tell me. Dad, yo, I just got a bowling scholarship to FAMU. Okay. That's not enough. Whoa, yo, like I just got this great opportunity. I get to go speak here. Okay. Dad, I got the lead story, you know, in the broadcast. And he would always remind me, it, it, it was a two-parter, right? It's never enough. And you're only as good as your last story. Ooh, so like <laughs> you could have <laughs> rocked out and everyone's high-fiving you and you're feeling good. You broke this story or, you know, you did something amazing within it. And tomorrow, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and the yep. day after, it doesn't matter. Uh, you're only as good as your last story. So oh, that's, yeah. I, I took that to heart, took that to heart for sure. Oh, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. Um, and you talk about never good enough. So my mom never said that to me, but every time I shared something with her, I always felt like that. She was like, okay. And mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so that's always yeah. driven me to do more and do more. Um, yes. Yeah. So I'm going to flip it now and say, what is or ask you, what is the best piece of advice that you would give someone? Nobody can beat you at being you. And I think especially in the TV industry or, you know, the broadcast world, you oftentimes are kind of trying to be like somebody, right? Because you see them on TV and you say, oh, yeah, um, I want to, like for me, I want to be like Robin Roberts. Well, there is only one Robin Roberts and she is fantastic at being herself. Well, there's only one Tiffany Green. And so rather than waste too much energy worrying about trying to be like somebody else or worrying about trying to fit into whatever specifications or mold that someone else has for you, you focus on being you. And that's what makes you stand out. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you original. And so nobody can beat you at being you. So be the best version of you. It's a great piece of advice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, my next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Mm, that I downed a 48 ounce steak in front of Don Shula at his restaurant. <laughs> it's a proud moment for me. <laughs> Not going to lie because I love beef. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big time steak eater. And uh, there was like this media challenge or something. I know that's really random, but uh, <laughs> I was incredibly proud because I like, I was just that girl growing up who just didn't necessarily want to fit in any boxes I wasn't the, the girliest of girls. I probably was categorized more as a tomboy. So I like cars and video games and sports. I was the girl who, you know, didn't mind sitting down eating at the lunch table in front of the guys when I was in high school and like downing four slices of pizza. No shame whatsoever. Not trying to impress any boys. <laughs> so I feel like that falls in line with just who I've always been. So to down a 48 ounce porterhouse steak pretty proud of that most people don't know that <laughs> that is pretty impressive yes wow good for you thank you 
All right. My last question is if you were stranded on an island and you could only have one thing that you bring with you. Now you have all the tools that you need to survive. So it's just that one thing that you'd want to have with you. What would that one thing be? Yeah, that was like, that's so hard. because (laughs) I hate to be this person now, Jen. I hate to be this person, but more than likely like my cell phone. I mean, or is that a need or is that, is that something I already have? No. Let's right? say let's say you have your cell. Well, we'll say that's your answer. But let's get if you had a cell phone, what what else would you want to have on that island? Just like a comfort thing for you. Um. Well, the Bible to help me get through. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Real talk. You know, like, Great answer. I have to call on. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being inside the huddle with us today and on the show. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Uh, and and share with us before we close, where can people follow you and keep apprised of your journey? So on Twitter at Tiffany A. Green, and that's green with an E at the end, um, or also on Instagram at tgreen34. Um, and if you have any further questions, you can always go to my website, which is tiffanygreentv.com. Perfect. And we'll put all of those in our show notes too. So people can, uh, can follow you and, and stay connected with what you're up to. And thank you again for being on the show today. Awesome. Thank you as well. And thank you so much to everyone for listening to today's episode of our special women in leadership series. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.